as you well know by now, today is Mother's Day, uh, which means that uh, there are a variety of emotions uh, being felt this morning. Uh, there are some here this morning who are experiencing excitement and some who are experiencing anticipation. Uh, there are those who are full of gratitude. Uh, there are others who are uh, disappointed or experiencing grief. Uh, there are some here this morning who are experiencing excitement. You love this day. Uh, you look forward to this day. You have this day uh, circled on your calendar. This day is all about you. It's an exciting day for you. You know that you are going to be honored, uh, that you will be celebrated. You know if things play out the way that you want them to, uh, you will get a nap. If that is you uh, this morning, then I pray that the God who knows you and loves you and made you would uh, continue uh, to pour that joy into your heart. Uh, if you are here this morning and you have anticipation, uh, maybe because you are expecting, maybe because you long uh, to have children, and they, there is like this sense in you where uh, you are looking forward uh, to the day when you can bring your son or your daughter uh, up front and we can bless him or her and pray for that child. You are just so uh, looking forward to that moment. If this is uh, you this morning, then I pray that God would fill uh, your heart with hope. Uh, some are here this morning feeling a deep sense of gratitude. You think back upon uh, the mother that your mom was growing up and you consider yourself uh, one of the lucky ones. Uh, she won Mother of the Year time and time and time again. She was always picking up that award. She was full of grace. God granted to her patience and wisdom and love that she poured out upon you. Maybe this morning that is your experience. If it is, uh, I pray that you may give thanks to God for the gift that he has given to you. There are others here this morning who quite honestly are exhausted. Uh, and you're thinking to yourself, how long is the service going to last? Because I'm tired. I want to go back to bed. I didn't sleep well last night. As a matter of fact, I haven't slept well the last 17 years. And I just would like a nap. Uh, if that is you this morning, if you are tired, then I pray that uh, God would grant to you strength. There are some here this morning uh, who may be uh, wrestling with a certain level of disappointment. Maybe you're wrestling with uh, disappointment because of the mom you think that you are or the mom that you long to be or maybe even uh, the mom that you have. You have these grandiose visions in your mind of what motherhood should look like and for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to match up with reality. If you are here this morning and you are disappointed, I pray uh, that God would minister uh, to your heart this morning. I pray that he would uh, strengthen you and be kind to you. There are some who are here this morning who uh, may, quite honestly, be wrestling with and struggling uh, with grief. Right? You experience grief because perhaps your mom is no longer uh, with you with us. Maybe you experience grief because you long to be a mother and you have not been able to. And today is difficult. It is, it's difficult. So it took a whole lot of courage uh, for you to even come this morning. 
Uh, If that is you, I pray that God who knows you and loves you would minister uh, to your heart. I pray that he would breathe life into you and be gracious and kind to you. This morning I am uh, reminded that uh, we are imperfect human beings, which means uh, every mother who is here this morning is an imperfect mom. Every parent who is here this morning is an imperfect parent. Uh, Every son or daughter of uh, Jesus, the one true high and living king, is an imperfect son or daughter. Uh, The beautiful uh, thing about uh, the gospel is that you and me uh, can bring all of our imperfections uh, to our perfect father in heaven and he meets us. And so I pray even now in this moment he uh, would meet with you. Uh, As we open up his word to Nehemiah chapter 5. Let us pray and we will dive in together. Father God, thank you so much for your living and active word. We believe uh, that you still use it to change hearts and lives even today. So I pray in our moments that we have together this morning that you might do that for your namesake. Change our desires, our affections, give us uh, longings that align with Uh, Your longings help us to love the things that you love, and certainly uh, you love people. And so pray, God, that you would help me even in this time uh, to love your people well. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. I don't know if you have ever read the Bible before and uh, asked this question, but I'm going to ask it to you, uh, and I want you uh, to ask it often as you open up the word. And the question is simply this, uh, so what? So what? Uh, Have you ever read the Bible before and thought to yourself, like, so what? (laughs) Like, like why does what I just read even matter uh, to my life? Uh, We are in the book of Nehemiah, and we're tracking a story about a man who Uh, encouraged a bunch of people to gather together uh, to go to Jerusalem to rebuild a wall. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, so what? Right, Because you and I live our lives on a daily basis. We wake up in the morning and we get kids uh, ready for school or we get ready for work or we go to work and we work hard. We think about things like relationships and uh, finances and how we interact with one another. If you're a student here this morning, maybe you're thinking about the end of school or graduation or what's next or maybe you're wondering does that guy even notice me or I wonder if that girl will even like me right we are human beings and so on a daily basis we deal with life and so maybe sometimes you read the Bible and think to yourselves so what why does this story why does this particular story uh, even matter and I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you And I want to charge you, this story that we are going to read today, even though it took place thousands of years ago, and even though it's about a story that may be familiar or may be unfamiliar to you, uh, it really matters for you and me today. Uh, Today we're going to talk about responding to injustice and pursuing generosity. Responding to injustice and living generously. Do you think uh, that that might apply uh, to your life and to mine? I think it might. A story is told in Nehemiah chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It says, Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, 
with our sons and our daughters, we are many. Let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those, verse 3 says, who were mortgaging their fields, their vineyards, and their houses to get grain because of a famine. Verse 4, and there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. We are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. God had called his people to rally together to rebuild uh, the wall around uh, Jerusalem, uh, and yet the people find themselves in a predicament. I mean, you can read verses 1 through 5 and go, I I haven't experienced this personally, but this doesn't sound pleasant. There are some large families who did not have enough to eat. So verse 2 talks about, for there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. They're thinking about their daily bread. They're thinking about the next meal that they're going to put on the table. So there's, there's... those groups of people who look at the mouths they have to feed and they're going, boy, I hope that we can pull this off. Uh, there are others who own property yet had to mortgage their homes and property uh, to deal with spiraling inflation problems. Verse 3 talks about this. People are looking to pay bills and so they're moving stuff around and they're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to simply get by. There are still others who apparently were so heavily in debt that they were unable to pay back those whom they owed money to, and so they started to do unthinkable things. They started to look at their sons and their daughters and their kids, and they thought, well, we we have to get by. We have to eat. These are the realities that the people faced. There were limited crops in the city. People flooded the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, but there wasn't enough Uh, for folks to eat. There were taxes that were levied by Artaxerxes, who was uh, running the show at the time, and he was hammering the people over and over and over again with high taxes, so much so that the people couldn't afford to pay them. And then there were interest rates, apparently, that were higher than the Carter years. And I didn't live during that time, but my dad said it was bad. They were high. People didn't know what to do. They didn't know how they were going to pay their bills, right? So this is a dire situation that the people faced. There there was a food problem, uh, there was a financial crisis, and there was a people crisis. So this issue that these people were facing was layered. It was messy. And it wasn't just an out there problem, it was an in here problem. And what I mean by that is Nehemiah talks about uh, why he is so frustrated and angry at the situation uh, that he encounters. He says in verse 6, For I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. He wasn't simply ticked because there was a famine. He wasn't simply upset because of high taxes. He was angered, we read in verse 1, because the people of God were using and abusing the people of God. Verse 1, Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. 
right? So God's people, instead of rallying alongside one another, coming alongside of them in their time of need and saying, hey, we'll help. I'll help. What do you need? How can I come alongside of you? How can I meet your needs? They were in a, essentially abusing uh, their brothers and sisters, making it worse uh, for them to live. Uh, we read time and time again in the Old Testament how uh, God's people were not to abuse God's people. In fact, God's people were to be distinct and unique in the sense that they were to lend money to one another and not charge interest. If they found out there was a need within the community, they would meet that need, but they wouldn't do it in such a way where they would give someone an IOU and charge them interest. They just simply would give them what they needed. Now, this was a way that the people of God were to be unique and distinct. Now, we know in reading the Old Testament and the New Testament that we are not under uh, the Old Testament law, and yet there are principles uh, that we read about in the Old Testament that apply uh, to you and me uh, today. So I want us to, to think together about answering uh, this question. How uh, do you respond uh, to injustice? How do you respond to injustice? How do we as a people respond when we hear stories uh, coming from uh, these walls, from the family, uh, where people are taking advantage of one another? Well, there's a principle here that the people of God should care for the people of God. Right? The people of God should care for the people of, of God. Galatians 6.10 uh, reads, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so there's this charge in the New Testament for, for us as followers of Jesus, as sons of daughters, uh, to, to come alongside those in need within our own church family, uh, and within uh, a circle of brothers and sisters uh, to help meet the needs around us. It's so easy sometimes for us to kind of have the mentality or uh, the mindset that says, well, that's not my problem. You hear a story about someone in need, you hear someone who's struggling or, or wrestling, and you think to yourself, ah, I don't have to worry about that, uh, that's not my problem. And it might not be uh, your problem, but it is your and my opportunity, right? It's our opportunity to come alongside uh, the family of uh, faith and help meet the needs around us. This is what uh, Nehemiah called out the people uh, for not doing. Right? Instead of helping meet the needs, they took advantage of the people. The second thing that we notice in, in responding to injustice is not only caring for the people of God, it's speaking up and acting out. It's speaking up and acting out. It's calling a spade a spade. When we see something happening that shouldn't happen, we should go, um, that shouldn't happen. Right? We should say something about it, and then we should do something about it. This is what Nehemiah does. It says in verse 6, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and uh, these words. And so Nehemiah responds, and it says, I took counsel uh, with myself. I love that picture that we read. Uh, here in Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah has this experience where he's going, hey, something out there isn't right. And he responds by literally pulling back from the situation and taking counsel with 
himself. It means to give oneself advice or to counsel oneself. Now, admittedly, that can be dangerous at times if we're only listening to our own voices. And yet there are times when it makes sense for us to kind of like take a step back from the situation and go, um, this ain't right. Like, we need to do something about this. And so look at what Nehemiah does in verse 7. I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother, and I held a great assembly against them. Okay, and so he gathers uh, the leaders together, and he calls them out. He's like, what you're doing is, is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. How, how you take advantage of one another, how you abuse your position of authority, it is wrong. And then he says in verse 8, and he said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nation." But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. Have you ever been called out before and you know that you're guilty? Like the person having the conversation with you has just brought something to light. And you're, you're caught. And you know, like, I, I could defend myself. I could argue and maybe sometimes you do and then you regret it you're like someone calls you out in your family let's say your wife hypothetically not that this has ever happened and and you get really defensive and you're like oh no oh no no and you start defending yourself and you're going i'm so wrong like you just know you're wrong oftentimes or sometimes when we know we're wrong we should just remain silent that's what they did Nehemiah called them out, and it says in verse 8, they were silent and could not find a word to say. Verse 9, so I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunt of the nations, our enemies? So Nehemiah calls them out, and then he calls them to act. He tells them to stop. He says in verse 10, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Right? So the people of God are taking advantage of the people of God. Nehemiah says, stop it. Right? You stop it, and you make it right. I love how they respond. It says in verse 12, Then they said, We will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep his promise. So, I, uh, so may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. This is literally like the best case scenario. The people of God are taking advantage of the people of God. Nehemiah goes to the leaders and says, um, stop. Don't do that. Make it right. And the leaders, in their defense, do exactly what Nehemiah instructed uh, that they do. I, I think we can pull from this, extract from the text, that we, as the people, should confront injustice. Like we, When we experience injustice uh, in uh, our house, 
or when we experience injustice in our community, like we should speak up and we should act out. That's what Nehemiah uh, does. And then he does something very uh, unique and something very compelling. He confronts injustice by practicing generosity. Right? So it says uh, in verse 14, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. Right? So, so Nehemiah is, is showing the people and demonstrating to the people that, uh, that we should not use our position of power and influence at the cost of God's people. Right? Many of us find ourselves in a situation where God has placed us in a position of influence or a position of power. And sometimes it can be easy for us uh, to use that position to take advantage of the people around us. Nehemiah is saying, I did not do that. Because right? he could have. He was in a position of leadership. He could have rolled into town and he could have kind of pulled out the ace up his sleeve and said, hey, I'm calling the shots. Do as I say. I will take that, that, and that for myself. But Nehemiah does uh, not do that. Instead, he comes in and he doesn't take advantage of the people. This apparently was the M.O. of previous leaders. They fattened their bellies by taking resources uh, from the people that they led, but not so with Nehemiah. Nehemiah did uh, not do that. I think that we as a people can uh, learn to use the influence that God has given uh, to us to help others uh, flourish uh, and not pad our own account. Secondly, the thing that we notice is that Nehemiah was willing to make a short-term sacrifice uh, for long-term gain. Nehemiah was willing to make a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. It says in verse 15, The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also preserve in the work on this wall, and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered uh, there for the work. You notice what Nehemiah did? Because he feared God, he did not take advantage of the people. He was willing to forego of, of a short-term gain, things that would benefit his own advancement, uh, in order to stand before the God who made him. Uh, knowing that he was faithful uh, to the call on his life. Be willing to make a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Look at how it plays out in Nehemiah's uh, life. It says in verse 17, Moreover, uh, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds, and every ten days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this I did not demand the food allowance of the governor, because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember for my good, O oh my God, that I have done this for uh, this people. Do you see what Nehemiah did? Like, he fed the people out of his own pocket. Right? Nehemiah apparently was a man of means. Like he had resources. God had put him in a position where 
he had stuff at his disposal. Uh, He was a wealthy man. And yet, instead of taking advantage of the situation that he found himself in, uh, at great cost, he blessed the people. When I read that, I thought to myself, we as a people have been placed in a position of power and influence. Uh, God has been incredibly gracious uh, to us as a people. Uh, If you are here uh, this morning, I will go out on a limb and uh, remind you that you are one of the wealthiest individuals on the planet. On the planet. If you make $50,000 a year, uh, you are a top one percenter. God has placed us and put us in a position of influence and power. And I think to myself, what a great privilege uh, that you and I have uh, to bless those around us. What a great privilege uh, we have been given, not not simply to to bless the family of God here, uh, those sitting next to you, uh, but to bless the family of God in our community and in in some instances around uh, the world. What a great privilege um, to, to be on the receiving end of God's generosity, so much so that we can say, God, open our eyes. Like, help us to see the numerous opportunities before us so that we might bless uh, those that you put in our path. This is how uh, Nehemiah operated. He saw injustice within the family of God. He saw uh, Jews coming alongside uh, other Jews and taking advantage of them, and he called them out. And he said, we will not operate that way. We we will not do that any longer. In fact, uh, make right what you have done wrong. Uh, And then Nehemiah puts uh, his his words into practice, right? This isn't just empty jargon that Nehemiah is sharing with the people. Like he backs up in his actions what he says with his words. Nehemiah lived a crazy generous life. He says, you're hungry, you lack resources, come to my place. Uh, The front door is open. There's meat on the table. Every 10 days, he rolled out the fine wine for the folks and said, come and eat. So what would it look like, church family, uh, if we operated in such a way that we swung open our doors and invited those on the outside in and simply said, come and eat? God has been gracious to us. He has been good to us. And so we want to uh, share it uh, with others. I pray to God that we would be that kind of crazy, uh, generous people. That we would use our position of power and influence to help uh, society in our community uh, to flourish. May God uh, help us to do that. May we be a people who confront injustice. And may we be a people who practice uh, generosity. Let's pray uh, and ask for the Lord's help. Would you pray with me? Father God, I want that for uh, for this church family, for this uh, little outpost here in Concord, North Carolina. I pray that uh, that we would be the kind of people that come up 
against injustice, whether it be uh, in our house, in this place, whether it be in our community, whether it be around the world. I pray that we would be uh, uh, the kind of people that speak up and act out. Lord, open our eyes. Help us uh, to see the opportunities that you have placed before us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be crazy generous. I pray that we would take what already belongs to you and give it back. I pray that you would open our eyes, help us to see opportunities in our church family and opportunities in our community and opportunities around the world. And I pray that you would give us the great joy and the privilege of being a generous people. God, thank you so much uh, today for giving us the opportunity uh, to open your word and to learn uh, from you. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.